A few years ago, there was a very well-known news story, especially if you lived here in the state of Texas, regarding a train that was coming into Texas from Mexico. And riding on the train were literally thousands and thousands of young people coming from Latin America into the United States. The terminology used was that of unaccompanied and undocumented minors. I want you to think about that statement for a minute. A minor being a person who's 18 years of age or younger, unaccompanied, meaning they are without their parents. They are not accompanied by an adult. And undocumented, meaning they do not have documentation to enter the United States. They're not coming into the United States legally. This train caught the attention of news media and uh, Americans of every walk of life of these thousands and thousands of unaccompanied, undocumented minors coming from Latin America into the United States. Regardless of where you stand politically, regardless of where you stand theologically, the reality is is that every year thousands of people come from Latin America into the United States illegally. Some come legally. There are many people who come to our nation from all over the world legally with documentation, with the correct visas, with the correct moving documents. But there are thousands and thousands who enter the United States of America illegally without the proper documentation. And if you can imagine it, minors under the age of 18 coming without a parent. So let me share with you what my purpose is not. My purpose in this conversation is not to have a political uh, um, point of view. I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm not uh, campaigning for or against any current or not current politician. I'm not campaigning for a political party. This is not a political statement. Let me tell you what else. This is not a theological statement. I'm not making a theological argument. I'm not uh, pointing out... Uh, the things that the Bible says about immigration and refugees. If you would like to have that political or theological conversation, by all means, uh, I would gladly welcome that. If you want to leave a comment or a call in of a political or theological nature, great, no problem. But I want to share with you from my experience. You know, if you look on my anchor station bio, it says that I, it, it says Travis Moffitt's. Uh, uh, station life as a Christian husband father missionary and so from that perspective of a Christ follower someone who follows Jesus uh, from the perspective of uh, the husband of Gina and the father of Noah and a missionary who's worked in Latin America for 13 years I'd like to share with you some thoughts that I have regarding immigration into the United States especially as it relates to illegal immigration from Latin America. I hope that you'll engage this conversation with me. I hope that you will call in. I hope that you will hit that comment button and just share your thoughts and let's create a dialogue about this. I want to share my thoughts and what I have experienced from the perspective of someone coming from Latin America. So let me share a story with you that I heard on a station here on Anchor called Living for Him, hosted by Alfred DaCosta. This is a story that he captured from the news media regarding uh, events related to Hurricane Harvey there in Houston in the South Texas area. 
At the time of Hurricane Katrina, we were living in the Tampa, Florida area, and I remember watching the news, watching the the sheer devastation that was going on in New Orleans and, and South Louisiana, Southern Mississippi, this whole area that had been so devastated by this massive hurricane. And I remember the feelings in my own uh, heart and in my own mind of watching this, thinking, I need to be there right now. At that time, my wife and I were the missions directors for a church called Morningstar Church there in the Tampa Bay area. And we knew we were organizing a team to go to uh, the, the destruction area, the devastation area, and provide some relief. But even as we were planning for that trip, even as we were putting team members together, even, even as we were organizing, I just remember the feeling of urgency that I've got to be there right now. And so when I hear this story, I think that must have been the feeling going through this man's heart and his mind. There uh, in his own community, in his own town, seeing the devastation in Houston and thinking, I've got to be there right now. I've got to go and do something. I've got to be a part of helping these people. And the reality is, is that in that moment, it didn't matter if he had been born in Texas or born in some other country in Latin America. It didn't even matter to him if he had legally traveled into the United States. It didn't matter to him if he had the proper documentation. It only mattered what was in his heart that he would go and help people who were suffering, that he would go and help people who were in these challenging situations. At that moment, as compassion took over his heart, nationality, legality, birthplace, all of that became totally irrelevant. So let's go back to that train for a minute. That train coming into South Texas with thousands and thousands of unaccompanied, undocumented minors. I want you to think about that for just a few moments. What has to be going on? What has to happen for a minor to get onto a train or be put on a train by their parents without being accompanied by their parents and sent to another nation. I remember reading a report when that news story was going out a couple of years ago about the train, and it stated that the largest uh, percentage of, of the undocumented, unaccompanied minors on the train were actually from the nation of Honduras, more so than Mexico or Guatemala or Nicaragua, El Salvador, any other any other country in Latin America, that the largest percentage were from Honduras. And it got me thinking, you know, Honduras as a nation, based on GDP, based on average income of families, is the second poorest nation in this hemisphere after Haiti, which is classified as the poorest nation in the world. It's an incredibly poor nation. Also, statistically, Honduras has the highest per capita murder rate of any country in the world outside of a war zone. Many people have referred to San Pedro Sula, which is the second largest city in Honduras, the city itself as the murder capital of the world. The nation of Honduras uh, has a great deal of gang activity. Um, it is certainly frowned upon by the general population but because of the poverty at the government level, because their GDP is so low and their government level uh, is so low in income and so low in, in revenue and wealth that they really don't have the funds or the capital to fully resource their military or their police to an adequate level to fight against the gang activity. 
So it's not a nation filled with bad people. It's just a nation that finds it very, very difficult to defend itself against gang activity that would rise up within their own borders. So you have a, a high degree of unemployment. You have a very low uh, family income, average family income, and you have a very high degree of murder within this one country, within this one pretty small country, actually. The population of Honduras is only about 8 million people. And of the 8 million people or so in Honduras, probably close to 6 million of them live at a poverty level like, quite frankly, most of the people listening to this uh, podcast or this segment on Anchor have never seen or experienced in their lifetime. I understand poverty, but I'm talking about entire families of four, five, six, seven people living on roughly the equivalent of about $2 a day. So when you live in that situation, when you live in that environment, you look for ways to escape that environment. You look for ways to better your life by getting out of that current situation. And so you've got to ask yourself, if you're a parent, I'm a parent, I'm a father, as it says in my bio, Christian, husband, father, missionary. As a father, I have to ask myself the question, what is going on at home? What, are the, what would the circumstances have to be such that I would put my child on a train and send them to another country with nothing but the hope that they might have a better life? To add to these very, very difficult conditions, we bring in the character of the coyote. The coyote is someone who is typically not discussed here in North America when we bring up the subject of illegal immigration. Who's the coyote? The coyote is the person in Honduras who is actively promoting a message within the country, not only in Honduras, but Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, all over Latin America. The coyote is actively promoting a message that if you can just get out of here and get to the United States, things will be so much better. If you could just leave your homeland, man, if you get to the United States, you're going to be rich. As soon as you get there, there's money laying on the street. There's money falling from the clouds. There are jobs aplenty. There's opportunity beyond opportunity. Don't You won't have to worry about anything. All of the lifestyle that you've seen on television, all of the lifestyle of of the rich and famous and the glamorous is waiting for you if you can simply get there. Or, Mr. Father, Mrs. Mother, if you can send your child to the United States, I assure you that they will have the life that you've always hoped for them. For the low, low cost of 2,000 US dollars, 3,000 US dollars. You think about what $2,000 or $3,000 US would, would would take in in Latin America in a country where people are living on two three dollars a day what they would have to do and go through to come up with that kind of money to give to this person that they don't really know but who has simply built trust with them and then give them their child to go and put them on a train the person who wins financially in the process of illegal immigration in my opinion, almost more so than anybody else in the entire process, is the coyote. The, the, the man or woman who says, give me your money and give me your children 
and I will give you the illusion of hope, the illusion of a better life. I have a friend who is from Latin America, who lives in Latin America, who many years ago traveled to the United States. He traveled here illegally. And he went through the services of a coyote. And he has told me the stories of traveling all the way through the length of Mexico, through the desert, traveling at night. Because not only do they have to avoid police once they get to the United States, these travelers need to avoid police in Mexico. Once arriving at the Rio Grande River, having to swim across the river, this friend of mine not really being able to swim at all. Once on the other side, having to, to uh, trek for days and days through the South Texas desert, just for the idea of hope, and that the reality was that this coyote who had promised so much hope and prosperity, once they set out on their journey, was really not a friend at all. Certainly left people behind, left people in the river. My friend reaching out a hand of help to actually help people who were injured along the way, he himself injured in the journey himself to get here. Now, he came for different purposes and different reasons than some other people do. He came for a limited period of time. He came to work, he saved some money, he went back to his country. But so many people come to the United States with the idea of hope. And my question is, where do they get this idea of hope? Where are they getting the idea that the United States would receive people from other nations? Oh yeah, I remember at least one source of this message of hope is at the base of the Statue of Liberty that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me, I lift my, my lamp beside the golden door. There are many, many messages, some true, some false, some genuine and some very, very manipulative that would tell people in Latin America that if you can just get to the United States, everything will be fine. One of which at least is a welcome mat that we placed at the base of our own Statue of Liberty. I think that as a nation, we should at least hold true to what we have communicated to the world. Send your people to us. We open up with welcome arms. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have protected borders, that there should not be a process. But I'm saying we ourselves have communicated to the world that the United States of America is a place where you can come and seek refuge. When you combine the welcome mat of liberty with the manipulative and false message communicated by the coyote into a people with already with little hope, with little opportunity, and in some cases with little education, with little knowledge of the rest of the world. What is created is a myth, the myth of America. What in the United States we sometimes call the American dream for others is literally a dream, a fantasy, a myth of how they would think that the United States of America would be or how their life or how their existence would be in the United States of America. It's a false 
hope, a false myth. Listen, I'm not saying that there aren't situations in which people come to the United States and make an incredible life for themselves. And I think that's wonderful. I know a man who was brought here as a young child, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around two, three, four years old. He was brought to the United States by his parents illegally. He spent his childhood in schools in the United States of America. He got a job. He, he was educated here. He, he got a job here. He ended up becoming the, the, the uh, fire chief for the city that he lived in and subsequently retired as the fire chief. And close to his retirement, a little bit before, a little bit after, he completed all the steps for citizenship. It literally took him like 50 years to complete the process of citizenship, to become a citizen of the United States. He made for himself, for his children, for his grandchildren, a great life here. And that is fantastic. That is how the story should be. But all too often, regardless of what side of of this argument you land on politically, regardless of what side of this argument you land on theologically, all too often we look at the issue of illegal immigration from a very one-sided North American perspective. Listen, I told you a few minutes ago what this is not. This is not a political campaign. This is not a, a theological argument. This is just my experience. But I will tell you what this conversation is. It is at least a hope in me that as you are hearing this, as you're hearing another perspective, as you're hearing the perspective of the Latino, the perspective of the person coming from Latin America to the United States, as you at least hear some of these experiences, hear some of these st- real life stories, hear some of these examples, hear some of the factors that come into play, some of the factors of, of crime and poverty and manipulation and hope. That maybe as you engage in your next conversation on immigration, your next political conversation, your next theological conversation, that you'll come at that conversation from a position of compassion. Remember the story of the man, 31 years old, here in the United States illegally, left his home to go to Houston to help rescue people because he was overwhelmed with compassion. You know, my co-founder at Connect Global, Javier Mendoza, he says that compassion without action is just observation. Sometimes we have been guilty of observing the issue of illegal immigration without taking compassion and without taking action to actually do something as a human. Not, not from a political standpoint, not from a theological standpoint, but to open our eyes and look around us at people who may live in our communities who are here a long way from their home, a long way from their family, hopeful and scared, looking for for truth that was really a lie, wrapped in a myth that was delivered to them before they left. Maybe we could find some people like that and maybe we could just show some compassion to them and take that kind of a position. Maybe step down off of our soapboxes and our political and, and righteous theological high horses so that we could come eye to eye with somebody from another culture and show some compassion. Get past the observation and get into some action. So I just had to share these thoughts with you with you guys. I appreciate very much this platform on Anchor. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you're listening to this on Anchor, feel free to hit that comment button or hit the call-in button. Call in. I'd love to, to make this a dialogue. 
if you're listening to this on Google Play or the iTunes Store, you can always email me at Travis at GoSurfChange.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I hope that you are doing well. I hope that your life is filled with compassion, both that you have received and that you can give.